God gave us good news. We needed something to have hope in. Paul got that so right. He said if we had hope only in this life, he said we'd be of all men most miserable. Now, he wasn't saying that in the terms that we don't have hope in this life because we do. As long as there's life, there is hope. And that means with any circumstance or situation that you might be dealing with upon this earth. But what about after that? After death, then comes the judgment. We talked on that a little bit here a few weeks ago. And uh, to have hope after that. Hmm. Different type hope. Amen. And thank God that that hope came because as you... Uh, if you've been studying and looking at the scriptures, and especially the writings of Hebrews, uh, death was like a curse and a shadow over the people until Jesus Christ came, and he conquered death. Now, has it been com completely? No. That's the enemy that's going to be brought under his feet, and then there'll be no more death. Man, so we still have to deal with it, and uh, they died even, it talks about from Abraham and Moses and right on, and even though some had not sinned in the same uh, form and manner as the first Adam, yet death still came their way. And same way with you and I, you know, regardless of how godly and upright we live, uh, we're not going to live in this body forever. We're going we're gonna to die, you know, until those that are caught up or raptured. Everybody else is going to go by the grave in one form or another. Who knows how it's going to be except God. And um, so... Uh, we, we have to deal with that. And so we have hope. Amen. We have, it's going to be talking about promise. Amen. Promise of what? Promise of eternal life. You know, who, wants, who wouldn't want eternal life? Especially the eternal life that's being offered to us. It's not just eternal life, you know, like we're living here. Amen. With its struggles and um, problems and things of that nature now for the most part, you know. Hey, we, we got it made pretty much. We're, we're, you know, God's blessed America. He really has. And uh, we're thankful for that compared to a lot of people. And even as we're sitting here this morning, we'd probably be shocked at uh, what some are having to face this morning, even as children in some homes uh, that could even be pretty close by, you know. Uh, but they don't know this way. They don't know this Savior. They could. Uh, everybody can. Whosoever will, let them come. Creation itself has got a voice to let you know there is a God. And, hey, this God is so sensitive, amen, and so on, on target. He won't miss that cry. He won't miss it. He, he makes that clear in the Scriptures. When the day you seek Him with all your hearts, the day you can find Him. And... Uh, Another place on the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about, he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. So, so, so we got so much to look forward to and to enjoy, to enjoy, you know. As uh, far as I'm concerned, there's nothing more joyable than in the house of God and in the presence of God with my brothers and sisters and worshiping Kim and the glory and the power of God moving. And, and not just in that setting, but it may be in the time of a prayer room or time that you're enjoying a, a song at your house and the, the glory of God, that Shekinah presence moves. And, and, and there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. It's, there's really not. So, 
our focus is going to be talking about this. He says, but unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. The scepter of thy kingdom. A scepter of righteousness. Basically, righteousness is to be unjust. Doing things, even you could put it justly. He meant, um, so God's going to make things right. That's the reason the writer talks about vengeance is the Lord's. Don't worry, he, he's going to work it all out. Uh, our, our responsibility is to stay right with God. And as much it lies within us with, with our brothers and sisters and, and even with society, as much it lies within us. We, we're, we're, that's what we're setting on to do. That's what we're just, you know, trying to attain and hold on to. Because you have got a enemy. Man. And, uh, I still haven't done it. But sometime I'm going to just do a little study. And maybe a little teaching on. In that area. The spirits of the world. And uh, uh, things out there. That we're subject to come encounters with. Without even realizing what's going on. Because of the spiritual frame of it. Amen. Uh, watch, you know the Bible. Has taught us that the. Either the Word of God, the Holy Ghost is going to help shape us and mold us, or the spirit of iniquity. So it's a spiritual thing. And, and, and that's part of this promise and hope that we have here, that we can be born again. The latter part of this lesson is really, that's what the gospel is all about. Amen. Experiencing it for yourself. To, to know it for yourself. To taste and see that the Lord is good. To experience that power that, 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 that envelops us. That moves upon us and helps us. Amen. With life and, and what it's dealing with. The writer does a good, good job and we're going to deal with some of it. And we're going to use probably a lot of scriptures. We're going to do our best. He goes into a lot of Hebrew and Greek and things of that nature. And, uh I'll just be honest with you, that's above me, but I'll do my best with some of this. And uh, you read the lesson, you get what I don't give you, okay? And uh, that way you'll get a good dose of maybe from both directions. But anyway, uh, he begins to really talk about contemplating the topic. And uh, he talks about the New Testament quotes and uh, paraphrases and alludes to the Old Testament. Uh, I thought this was very important. I, I wanted to make mention of this. Some 800 times i thought when i read this and pondered that uh, uh you know a lot of people want to uh, say well the old testament's done away with and things of that nature but if that been the case why in the new testament what is alluded to so much if it, if it wasn't no but we know that jesus christ himself <clears throat> and for this service over we hope to go back and use some of those scriptures how that even Jesus relates back unto the prophets and to the Psalms and the, and, and the Old Testament and the writings and the Scripture. When he likens it to the Scripture. Always remember this. In the New Testament, when it talks about according to the Scriptures, that's the Old Testament. New, New Testament hadn't been written yet. Hadn't been canon, Hadn't been put together yet. And they was in that process. So whenever these authors or writers, I should say, a man was writing these letters as they was moved upon by the author that wrote the Old Testament. 
That's the reason there's no confusion between the two and the shadows and the, the, the fullness of it, amen, can be brought out so well when you let Scripture, amen, amen, translate Scripture. When you use Scripture, amen, to add on, it just it falls together. It falls together even though it took hundreds of years for the writing of the Word of God, to, amen. It's still sending the same message. And you're going to see even, even cure, amen, the promise, the hope, the looking for that Messiah. For that Savior, for that, that, that child. Now, did they know how he's going to come? They should have in the writings of Isaiah, but, but they missed it. Some, some feel like that possibly they was looking for him to come riding in on some horse and ruling. And, and even the disciples questioned Jesus about the end time and, and when they was going to be back as kingships and lordship and ruling and reigning. And we understand that, and that's going to happen. That's going to happen, amen, in the end time, in the, in the millennium. We're going to really experience what, uh, what Jesus Christ is sitting on a throne upon this earth and the peace that we can experience for a thousand years and, and how uh, uh, people's going to live and up in age and things. In fact, that's some of that part of the Isaiah, the 65th chapter that we're going to be talking about, amen. And, and, and so we, we just, you're getting, we're getting glimpses and we got a little taste of, of what's laying ahead of us. And I love the song that we sing, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. So a lot of our problems and circumstances, situations, the way that we can handle them best is to get our minds, first of all, on the Word of God. Get our minds on the Lord, that you know what? He's never going to leave us nor forsake us. He's with us, and He's going to walk with us, and He's going to help us. And so I'm not in this by myself. <clears throat> Regardless of what I'm facing, what I might be struggling with, God, I'm going to find our help from the portals of heaven. I'm going to find our help through Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Ghost, amen. It wasn't God just didn't give us a Holy Ghost, amen, to, to, uh, uh, to make us feel good and just to speak in button, but it's a comforter. It's a secure. It's a, a help, amen, and not just occasionally and not just on Sunday morning services and Sunday night services, but that's to deal with every issue and everything that we face in life. Nothing's too small and nothing's too big. That's part of this promise that I'm going to come and abode and abide with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to talk with you. I'm going to guide you and lead you. I'm going to be that voice in your life to help you how to respond and how to deal with things. You know, when you, I mean, you know, everybody likes the GPS. I know it may lead you, mislead you occasionally, but have you quit using it? When you don't know where to go? Almost first thing everybody asks you now, we start to make a delivery. What's your address? It's just a little better. You can, you can put it in there. And some of them's got systems on their phones. They can actually pull it up and look ahead of time and see. And that's what this is. It's God's GPS. Get us from here to there. I know there's a lot of voices out there and a lot of things trying to bombard us and try to get us off roads get us in places amen but thank God for the GPS called the word of God and the Holy Ghost I said this just in the last service or two but the word of God the Holy Ghost it's the most tangible things that you've got of knowing this God he began he talks about and he uses Psalms 45 that tied in with Hebrew 8 9, our focus verse, and the following verse in it. 
that uh, the writer of Hebrews, is where he actually, it's not word for word, I'm going to give them to you, but it's close enough to know that the writer of Hebrews did not just on his own come up with this or even as he's inspired, but he has the written word, the scriptures to back up in Psalms. I'm, 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 I say I'm amazed, but I am amazed how much that you can read in 150 chapters of the book of Psalms that deals so much. I mean, even David's writing, but not just David, there was others that was involved in the insight, the revelation of, of what he saw and what he prophesied and how to deal with life and issues of life from praying and, and things are in, and even rejoicing. I mean, it just covers a lot. If, you, if you're down and out, I encourage you to read Psalms. I really do. If you're, you're struggling with life and struggling with things, I'd encourage you to just start reading Psalms. Uh, it's amazing what you can grasp and gain from the writings of Psalms. And if your Bible's like mine, uh, amen, it's a lot of times it's got little headings of a lot of those chapters, even in sections of that chapter of what that particular scripture is writing about. Then if you begin to run references on that, it'll tell you at times in David's life or the writers possibly, not every time, but sometimes of what they was dealing with and what issue. And, and a lot of this dealt with, Paul, with David when he was running from Saul. And, and so it helps you to understand, you know, David's faith in this kind of circumstance or situation. And so I can use this, amen, because here I am. It may not be in the magnitude as his, but, but yet, I'm going to tell you something. If it's something that's going to rob you of peace and rob you of your soul, it is of that magnitude. Just because it don't affect, you know, thousands of people, it's still that important to you as an individual and the outcome of your soul. So the importance of Scripture. And so here we're going to see, as he used Psalms 45, 6 and 7, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Scepter is, was a, a symbol it was used by the lords and kings, and some even liked it under staffs like with, with shepherds. But they was made in all different types of materials, but most of them were some long, you know, and the scepter be extended out. We see this with Esther, a man. The scepter had to be extended out, and if it had not been extended out, it would cost her her life. Amen. We got to have the scepter of righteousness of God extended to us and applied to us, or we're going to die. We, we've got to understand that. And so there's a lot. Man, there's a lot. We just want to do. Thy love is righteousness. You know, do us good to keep that fresh, to love righteousness, to love holiness. Not holiness in the way of making it the God, but making it is the way of living. That it's a more joyful life than the way of the world. It has greater benefits, greater comfort, greater peace, greater joy. It really does. When we can declare and manifest unto our world that living for God is more joyful than living out there in that world. I'm going to say this, shame on us as an individual when we, we, we talk more about and get more excited about the life we used to live than the life we're living. See what I'm saying? 
this, this scepter of righteousness was pulling us out of darkness, pulling us out of bondage, pulling us out of things that held us. And those taskmasters can be tough. And you never know when they're going to call upon you as an individual to perform things and to get involved in things. It's a dangerous thing to flirt with some of this spiritual world that's becoming more obvious in our world today. And what people's wanting to tap into and get a hold of because they're hungering and thirsting after power and places in life. And there's really no greater joy and no greater power than God himself in letting God be the God of our lives. So, as we watch this, when you go to Hebrews, and I, I'm going to use, I'm going to back up, I'm going to start at the very beginning of that particular chapter. We, this was one of the lessons that we didn't, uh, somebody was here, and we didn't actually preach or teach on this particular lesson. And uh, this is the part it used, the first few verses of this particular chapter, and it's talking about, amen, the Son is talking about the Savior. He says, for God who at sundry times, which means separate or many times, and in diver manners spake in times past unto us, the, uh, spoken to the fathers by what the prophets. That diver actually means indifference, amen, and, and various ways, out of burning bushes, things of this nature, how God spoke to our fathers, and how he moved upon them. So that gives us an idea of how important and how powerful this next statement's going to be. Hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, huh. notice it's capitalized, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, and by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person. Huh. You want to know God, just study out Jesus. You want to know his works, you want to know his words, you want to know his desire. Study out Jesus Christ. It's the greatest example we had on the face of the earth. It's the example that you and I are trying to follow. That we're pursuing and trying to attain. It's what Brother Ford preached to us Sunday night, basically. Man, to walk in his image, his likeness. Amen. As much as lies within us to come to that place of perfection, to that place of fullness. In following after our Lord Jesus Christ. Upholding all things by the word of his power. When he hath by himself purged our sins. And sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Being made so much better than the angels. As he hath by inheritance attained what a more excellent name. Than they, for unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. He didn't got, angels was not born, they was created. Angels was not flesh and blood. That's the reason as we even sung the song this morning. Amen. The angels adore him, but not like we should. Because we've been cre you creation. We know how it is to be atoned and how to be delivered. And again, I will be to him a 
father. And he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. All the angels of God to worship him. Lucifer has a problem with that. And his followers do too. In fact, Lucifer wanted him. He was the one that tempted him and said, if I be the son of God. Do this and do that. So don't think the tempter won't come your way. Even after you get the Holy Ghost. He's going to tempt you. He's going to try you. He's going to see. And the angel see saith who maketh the angels spirits and kiss mentors as a flame of fire. Then to our lesson here this morning, a man that talks about the son himself spoke to us. Spoke to us. Manifest or declared him in the last times, the last days for us. That's the reason we're so blessed here this morning, amen, to, to know him. And so when we talk about this, and the writer went on, and he talked about how that the good news is what is according to, according in the scriptures, according to the scriptures. The good tidings, the good news. It's got to be according to the scripture. It can't just be according to how someone may feel. It can't be according to how your conscience. It can't be according to nothing outside, but it's got to be inside the scriptures. It's got to be inside the word of God. When you hear the good tidings, when you hear the good news, it's got to be backed up according to the scripture. It's got to be backed up by the word of God. If that wouldn't be the case, then, you know, just you can believe whatever you want to believe. And, and you know, and, and as Sister Ford used to tell us all the time, you can just believe whatever you want to believe, then you don't have to believe no way at all. And if you don't have to believe no way at all, then no way at all don't have to matter. We just stay at the house and do what we want to do because it won't matter. But we know better. By what? By the word. That's forever set unto heaven. That we're all going to have to give an account to. That we're all going to have to, you know, going to have your answer. Amen. Even, even the Lord's going to say, it is written. It is written. We're going to be without excuse. We talked about that a little bit Wednesday night. Excuse, excuse, excuses. When people don't, don't do certain things and don't come and whatever. You got to watch those excuses. Amen. And they may sound good. They may be, you know, they, they used several there from buying land, trying oxen, and all that good stuff. Amen. But, hey, it was supper time. It was lamb time. And it was prepared. And they had a lot of time to come if he's going to be a part of it. Amen. And so you and I, we have a lot of time to get ready to know this God, to experience this God. Because he's made a way that whosoever will, they could come. And I'm glad to be a part of it this morning. How about you? Amen. To know the real reason of this season being a son was born. A savior. A savior of the whole world was born. Amen. That's what makes John 3, 16 so powerful. For God gave. Amen. If he had not gave this son as a gift unto humanity and for the price of sin, you and I'd still be in darkness. You and I'd still be in our sins today. We'd still be, well, watch this. As a writer puts it, we would still be without hope and without promise. And that's what this lesson is really focused on. Now, through this son that has been given, that has been begotten, we have hope and we have promises, amen, unto eternal life and to great benefits even upon this earth. But you know what? we got to pursue that. we got to reach out for it. we got to believe God for it, amen. we we got to, I started some of it here this morning and, and just going over some of it. You know, sometimes I believe God wants us to hold his feet, if I can just put it this way, to the fire. Sometimes God, and we're going to see that in this lesson in just a few minutes, amen, just 
see if God would do what he said he would do. To, to ask him, to, to ask of him a sign, to ask of him, not a sign out of evil heart, not a sign like the Pharisees, amen, to show us a sign. He said, oh, you got a sign, go to Jonah. And we're going to talk about that at the end of the lesson, amen. But, but we're talking about, amen, that this God will answer our prayers and minister to our needs, amen, that, that will manifest himself through us and through the church, amen, to turn our community upside down. That's the very purpose and the reason of the coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. To what? Have a church. Amen. He's the head, but we're the body. Amen. And the head, amen, wants to work through and operate through the body. Hallelujah. Is we, we all doing this, amen, as, as, as powers and, and examples of who he is and what he's doing for us. So we're just going to go into some of the scriptures here this morning and um, try, to, try to work out of some of those. When you go to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 4, this is actually the setting of the scriptures. It talks about the gospel, Paul's writings, and he actually goes back to the scriptures. Why was it so important? Let me ask you, did you, you know, during the time of the walk of Jesus Christ, did you believe they was looking for a Messiah? I believe there's one place in the scriptures that help us to answer that question, not only to answer that question, but help us to understand that just about most anybody, especially if you was Jew or Jew-related, that means if you was even of Samaria, which was a mixed multitude. They was not full-blooded Jews. But yet they knew enough and heard enough to believe that there was a Messiah coming. How do you know that? Go to John 4. Jesus Christ was leaving out of Galilee, coming, amen, and he said, hey, i got to go to Samaria. Must needs to go to Samaria. And not only Samaria, but to Sychar, to a particular place, a well, a well that belonged to Jacob. A well where everybody normally comes early in the morning or late in the evening to get water. But he said, i got to be there at noontime. Because there's one individual that I want to meet there. I want to come encountered with. And you know the story. You know the story of her life and her condition and her relation problems. And, and she had, as we could put it, I believe today very safely, she had a messed up life. She had a horrible life up to this point in time. And she was in one relationship and out of another and into another one. And I mean, just, I mean, it was chaos. It was full of heartache and trouble and darkness and hopelessness. And, but as he began to address her, and that shocked her to start with, that she'd even take the time to talk to her, him being a Jew, Amen. She questions that. And he said, well, if you knew who I was, amen. I said, I got some water. Amen. If you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. Well, how can that be? Because this water become a well inside you. And you'll spring, spring up. Amen. That's the reason when he likens it to that. And she, she got interested then. Amen. Because then I won't have to come to this well. I won't have to face the people that I face here. I won't have to listen to the conversations that I listen to here. It'll, it'll bring some deliverance and help. Now, she didn't quite understand what he was talking about because she questioned him. She said, well, let me ask Ask you something. Said the whale's deep, but whence? From whence? Hey Amen. You're going to draw. And you know what? He was the one that you're going to draw. He's the one that we draw this water out of. He is that whence. He is the God. He was the begotten Son. He's the name that you call on. The only name that's ever been given under heaven whereby men must be saved. Hallelujah. That's the reason he's called the door. Amen. But whenever you begin to call on him, and whenever he begins, he said, I tell you what, he said, go home, get your husband. And uh, she said, I don't have no husband. He said, that's right. You had about five. <laughs> One you got now is not your husband. Whoa, wait a minute. Oh, I see you're a prophet. Boy, that conversation, man, it picked up a, a step and, uh, and uh, you know, changed everything. And so that's when he began to promise to her. She said, I know one thing. When the Messiah comes, he'll tell us. The Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, when he comes. See, the question, what was the question about? How and where to worship? 
You say go to Jerusalem. Others say go up on this mountain. Jesus said, yeah, but God's looking. Worship him in spirit and in truth. And now, and now is the time. Hmm. So we understand by the scriptures right there. They was looking for a Messiah. They had hope in a Messiah. They had hope in one coming. And when he comes, we're going to have revival. We're going to see miracles and wonders and signs. We're going to see the lame walking. We're going to see blinded eyes open. We're going to see deaf ears unstopped about this Messiah. Do you understand the promises and the hope that was laying inside this little boy called Jesus? Now, no doubt, maybe they didn't quite understand just how all that was going to come about, but it was coming. It was going to come. So as we begin with the lesson itself and the Hebrew scriptures, as he talks about here, rich in, in this, I'm going to deal with just a few. I'm going to cover a few scriptures. Uh, I realize time may get me before today's over, but uh, we're going to cover as much of it as we possibly can. Luke 24 and 25. I want to, I'm going to lay some of this down right to start with, and that's in your lesson, Luke 24, 25, 26, 32, 44, and 49. Let's look at those scriptures for just a moment. Luke 24 and 25 says, Then... He said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded. This is Jesus Christ talking. This is what what the point that's being driven home here is about the scriptures. And why we're to believe what we're to believe and put the hope and put the promise into this. Amen. He says, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He expounded all the scriptures concerning himself and who he was and what he was going to accomplish and achieve. You could drop on down to verse 32. They said one to another, did not our hearts burn within us? Now, this is the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. These are the ones after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Amen. And here he is now walking with them, even though he had kind of presented himself in a way they didn't recognize him. Amen. And so, but here, as he expounds to them and begins enlightening to them, because, you know, they was down and out. They was depressed. They weren't sure about all this. And they weren't sure about the body of Jesus Christ even though he told them that it was going to be a resurrection. And they accused a man of somebody else stealing it. And, they, and those, a man, wanted to seal it up. And they make sure the disciples didn't steal the body. Well, don't worry. God was going to take care of the body. God was going to take care of the body. It was coming out of that grave. It was coming out of that tomb. Amen. And he wasn't going to need nobody, amen, to roll this tomb back. He's going to use the angels, and they was going to roll the tomb back. And there was going to be a resurrection that was going to take place. And, and so that's what he's expounding to them and letting them to understand even here from the Scriptures, amen, from the Old Testament. As he, he relates it to them and refers it to them about who Jesus is and what's happening, what's taking place. And even the Gospel itself, you can take the Old Testament and prove the Gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection without any problem whatsoever with the tabernacle plan. It's laid out there. It's illustrated. It's, it's laid before us. And so, you know what? That helps us to understand by faith and confidence by the scripture, amen, that we're not building on sinking sand. Amen. When we call on the name of Jesus, hallelujah, it's not just another name and it's not just another means or another ways, amen, but it is the way. Hallelujah. It is the way to get all of heaven to show up. It is the way to get the miraculous and the supernatural to show up. It is the way to get our sins remitted and washed away. It's calling on the name. 
dropped down to about 44, and he said unto them, These are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning all this had to be fulfilled. It behooved that he had to go to the cross. It wasn't a choice. It wasn't an option. Pilate tried with everything it is within him because by his observation, his judgmentship, he knew that Jesus Christ was, was not guilty of the crime that he was being committed of. But scriptures had to be fulfilled. So you and I could have a Savior today. So you and I could have an opportunity to know this Savior. So we'd have the opportunity to call upon him. You see, the thing about this Savior is the power of choice is still there. You got to choose. Once you've heard our message Wednesday night, if you listen to it, it's hearing it. Faith cometh by hearing the word of God. And when I hear the word of God and I take it as the word of God and having faith in it, I can expect it. I can look for it to to. to Fulfilled what it's set out to do. It's not going to go back void to God. Because God is the word. And his promises in Christ Jesus are yea and amen. Every promise. You don't have to stagger on this. And you don't have to waver on this. I'm telling you, I know there's struggles. And I know there's heartaches. And there's spirits and things that we war against. But I'm here to tell you, if we'll just stay on the journey. If we'll just stay faithful, God. Many a call, but few choice. But faithful, faithful, faithful. Faithfulness, amen, is those, amen, to just obey it anyway. And when the odds are against them, when things work against them. But I'm going to be faithful anyway. Anyway, I'm going to be committed anyway. I'm going to do exactly what it says. I'm going to do, amen. It's kind of like doing like Naaman said when it finally comes to his senses. I'm going to go dip in seven joints when it don't make any sense. See, that's a problem. A lot of people just got to reason everything out. You're not going to do that. Not living for God. You cannot live faithfully for God if you've got to have everything just laid out for you. You're going to live a miserable life for God if everything, if God's got to just... You can't, that's not walking by faith. That's walking by sight. <laughs> that's the reason whenever you call on him. That's the reason that we're going to get to it. And the writer makes mention about the birth of Jesus Christ. And about the virgin birth. There's a lot of people, you know, because they're so smart and all of this, they say that it's impossible. You're right with man. That's your problem. You... you you relate everything with you and your powers and your strength and your right. Huh. Can't do it, but with God. Because you watch this. What did God do? Same time, simultaneously. What did he do? Six months. Three months apart. Six months apart. What did he do? He took one, one and I don't be too, too blank, plain here, but he took one barren wound. That was old and becoming old and reaching a pace that was no way, not by my man, call Elizabeth to bring forth a forerunner called John the Baptist. And the second one, he took a virgin to bring forth a savior of the world called Jesus Christ. And they want to question that, say it's impossible. No way. 
That ain't the only thing. They want to question the death. Some of them want to say that he would just that he fainted. You don't bury faint people. When you faint, look, folks. If I faint here, don't go throw me in the grave. Okay. So he just passed out. He lost all the blood. And passed out. He lost all the blood till he died. Flesh cannot live without blood. Flesh cannot live without oxygen. Flesh cannot live when God takes His hands off of it. Now watch this. Jesus Christ could live forever without blood, without oxygen, if God had not left the body. Of course, God don't need none of those things. And He could have helped that body if He wanted, but it had to die. That's part of it. That was, that was what this begotten Son was all about. Amen. Was the death. Death, remember Remember, remember the death. That's what he taught us. I mean, that, that was the, that was, that's the utmost, is the death. It, it's more important, all said and done, I guess in a sense, than even the birth. But there'd be no, no death if it was, was not a birth. Hmm? Watch this. What good is a death if there's no resurrection? You just died in vain. Your faith is in vain. If you don't believe in the resurrection. See, it all ties together. It all works hand in hand. It all just comes together. Like a puzzle. Just all comes together what God had worked out. Put, to do what? Save mankind. And to deliver him. So, I know I've jumped ahead a little bit on that. But let's look at some things here in the scripture. Uh, you see here in his writings. He talks about the human beings uh, would enter into the world and uh, it's going to be of Adam and Abraham and David, the seed of them. And uh, the same thing of this son of God was going to come. Now, they may not quite understood all of that, but we know that David talks about it many times and I will not take the time. But we will take, look, look at Micah. Micah was a prophet, amen, to Judah in the 8th century B.C. And uh, what's this word, that Micah 5 and 2? But thou Bethlehem... Amen. Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto that which is to be the ruler in Israel. He's going to be the ruler. He's going to be the king. This son is going to come out of that. It's going to come out of this way. Even though you're, you're the smallest, you're not the one. You wouldn't be the choice of man. You wouldn't be the choice of the world. To, but, but this is God's doing. He's going to set it all up. Who's going forth have been from old and from everlasting. And so you see from this that the first time that ever is mentioned in the scriptures, amen, even when you go to Boaz, talking there in Ruth 4, 11 and 12, if you go to that, this is a time that Boaz actually redeems, amen, Ruth. And uh, time won't allow me to go into all of that, but you know the story of Naomi, you know the story of Ruth, and you hear it now, Boaz, she comes, she's in his field, and he's going to redeem her. And uh, to do that, there was a closer kin, but he would not do it because that would mark his inheritance. So he steps in. And he, he redeems Ruth or Naomi and her land, amen, to raise up seed, amen, to her, her fallen sons that had died and her husband, amen, because they wanted the name to continue on. And so we watch this Moabitess, amen, little damsel, amen, called Ruth because she was willing to work, because she's willing to have faith, because she took wherever and however she received, either from her husband and from Naomi, amen, about this God, to know this God. I want your God to be my God. Amen, or die where you're going to die. And so she chose this and she goes back and she begins to work in the field and she
she makes her way there. And so finally she's brought to Boaz. And Boaz comes to the place. And I'm covering a lot of this pretty quick here. But, but then it comes to the place where she actually has to redeem where he can buy her or purchase her or marry her. Amen. And so in doing that, the closest kin had first choice. That this is at the gate. And this is where all this is taking place. And so he goes there. And he calls the witnesses. He calls some elders in to just come at the gate and sit and witness and behold this. And he calls in the, the, the closest kin. And he comes to the place that he cannot redeem it. So he does it. And this is the testimony or the witnessing of the elders as they watch this set begin to unfold. This is the statement that he's going to make about her. Now, this would be the great-grandmother of David. And remember, this seed is coming from David. David prophesied about this son, this son that will see no corruption. This son that will, the grave will not hold him. Also, in that same setting of scriptures, David writes and he talks about that my soul has hope in. That there's going to be another day. There's going to be a resurrection. It's kind of like Job talking about. Trust him. Amen. That with my eyes, I'm going to behold this God. I'm gonna, there's, there's something beyond this life. God's going to make a way. There's, somehow, even though we, we've never seen nobody, we ain't experienced it, but the God that I know, the God that moves on my behalf and answers my prayer, he's going to make a way. Amen. That we can live again. That's what David's talking about in this seed now. So it picks up. That's these, these couple of verses here. Lord, make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah. These are the two mothers, amen, the two wives of Jacob. Which two did build the house of Israel? And do thou worthily in Ephrathah, I, I guess we pronounced that right, and be famous in Bethlehem, and let thy house be like the house of as Tamar bore unto Judah, of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. Hmm. So this is where Bethlehem man, comes in the picture. And the seed out of this, even from Israel. And now we're tying in with Jesus Christ, who's going to come out of Bethlehem. What's happening here? We're tying into the Old Testament. Even though it was centuries ahead of time. There was a God that knew the ending from the beginning. He's putting all this in place, put it in motion, and bring it to fulfillment, even though when the enemy is doing everything within his power to prevent it and stop it and keep it from happening. Watch this. That same devil works against you. You see, God's got an expected end for everybody under the sound of my voice today. He really does. Not just, not just to make it to heaven. He's got an expected end and a place that we can walk on a daily basis. See, we miss that a lot of times, the daily bread, the daily visitation. I mean, let me ask you something. What did Adam and Eve lose in the garden? What, what, what did they, a, a spiritual walk. They lost the fellowship with God. He didn't come in the cool of the day any longer to visit them. They died spiritually that day. There was a death that took place. But Jesus Christ has brought that back because now he come not just in the cool of the day, but he walks with us day in and day out. And he's concerned about the small things in your lives as well as the big things in your life. And I'm telling you, he'll speak to us and through us if we'll just let him have his way. Now there's going to be a sacrifice. Present this body to him as a living sacrifice. Hey, that's all part of it. And I don't mean to try to get off the lesson here, but that's just the way it is. We 
present ourselves. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to Him. And that's the reason we don't go and do and get involved. And No, because I belong to a higher calling and expectation. Amen. Of His call upon my life and His, His name that I'm bearing, His spirit that I'm bearing. I'm a spiritual epistle now to others. And that's really what it's all about. So what does that mean? I've got to be a servant to everybody else. I've got to be you know, a, a sacrifice for everybody else. So I don't get to do what I want to do. Sometimes fulfilling His will is serving others. Sometimes it's even in those little small things that adds up. It's mentioned again in Psalms 132. Lo, we heard of it at Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of the wood. Remember that. Found it in the fields of the wood. I tell you what I thought of when I read this, studied this out a little bit. What Jesus, what did he tell us? What did he say about the man? So when he found a treasure, what did he have to do? Get to buy the field. Where was the shepherds at when they got the visitation from the angels? That's exactly what this is talking about. Visitation for the angels. Angels couldn't preach the gospel, but they could only point it to either the son or to the one that could tell them, such as Peter, who had the keys. So that's what the writer's talking about here as far as the prophecy and it being fulfilled even in the geographical location. It didn't just happen. It wasn't just by chance that Joseph and Mary wound up where they was at. Caught up in what they was caught up in. Angels even visit both of them, if you remember. Even while they was betrothed. I got the scriptures. I don't have time to allow me, but I'm going to make mention of this. I may still try to get the scriptures. But uh, in their own... You know, he was willing as a just man, but he didn't want to make a public example out of her. So he was going to put her away. Why? Because the Bible says she was found with child before they were together. Before they became husband and wife. Angel visited him and said, hey, this is of God. Holy Ghost has overshadowed her. And so now both of them has got to accept you agree together. You can't work together. Joseph agreed now. So we can see the price that even Mary was willing to pay to be a vessel. I've heard some people say a vehicle, but that's not even saying, but that's not a vessel would be a whole lot better. I'll be a better term. A vessel. <laughs> Decided I'll be the vessel at whatever cost. I mean, she's done planning for her wedding day. I mean, they was done, they was done basic, you could say, past engagement and all this other. But she said, nevertheless, at thy word, I might let you work this out. I'm not even sure if she told him. Because the Bible said that she was found with child. She finally come to a place that it couldn't be hid any longer. There's some things you can't hide. Both good. And bad. 
Hey, when God blesses you, you can't hide it. When God moves, when God feels, when God operates, it has its way of showing up. So, you know, you know the story. I went from that. Where did all this stem from? Where did all this Isaiah? Let's go to Isaiah for a minute. It's actually the seventh chapter. And uh, the king Ahaz, king of Judah, he's facing the king of Syria. He's facing the king of Israel. They come in to vex him. They come in to, uh, against him. He finds himself facing a situation that he could not deliver himself. He doesn't have the resources or the power the ability to do it. And so God sends the man of God unto him. And uh, if you read the lesson, and he even talks about, does that conversation comes from not to Ahaz only, but unto the sons of David, the children of David, it's included. And he goes a lot in of trying to get the you into plural and all this other stuff. That's fine. But I'm just going to, I'm going to just do it my way, okay? Because when you go to Isaiah, the seventh chapter, because really it's Ahaz right here that's in trouble. And he needs some help. And so when you look at it, you begin to pick up, and he says, about the sixth verse, he says, let us go up against you to vex it and, and bridge against it and all this. Thus saith the Lord. Now this is Isaiah coming, speaking, amen, I believe. And thus saith the Lord, it shall not stand, neither shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria, Damascus, the head of Damascus risen, and within three score and five years, he's telling him of the end of his kingship, of his rulership. It's not even going to last for another 65 years. It's going to come to an end. He says, Ephraim is bro be broken, that it be not a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, the head of Samaria. Is, and then he goes to man, he said, but if he, now this is the, the key part of this verse, the ninth verse, the latter part of that is going to be probably the most important part. Okay? Even for us today. Okay. If he will not believe, surely he shall not be established. He has, if you'll just take this as the word of God and just stand your ground and hold on, I'll take care of this battle. But if you can't believe it, then you won't be established. You'll be, you'll be tossed to and fro. When you really believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, then you can believe in for everything else that comes our way. Nothing's exempt. I know we have a tendency to quickly say, well, it must have been God's will. But did we really make the stand and put in our spirit and our heart and say, no, God, I'm, I'm going to be like that little widow woman now. Most least candidate in the city took on the, the king, the judge, I should say, that didn't regard or fear man or God. He left us an example of the power of a prayer, and who you're praying to, and who can do things that you and I can't do. So, 
So you know what? The next thing he, he deals Ahaz with, he says, well, I tell you what, just ask for a sign then, Ahaz. Ask for anything. Height, the depth, it don't matter. You just ask. But Ahaz says, no, I'm not going to tempt the Lord. He's copping out. Get down to it. Not careful, we'll do the same thing too. I don't want to tempt you, God, but <laughs> and he said, Isaiah says this. This is how he responds unto that situation. Cure ye now, O house of David. He is a small thing for you to weary men, but will he weary my God also? What's the Bible say about good? Don't go weary in well-doing. If you do it as unto the Lord, even when they don't give you the credit, or it looks like it's all went to no, no avail, and they just trample it under their feet, there is another God that's keeping a perfect record. And the scripture taught us to do it as unto the Lord to start with, not as unto the individuals. But here they're wearing him with their unbelief. Not believing that God could come to the rescue. Not believing that God would work and get them out of this situation that they're in. That they did not have the power or the authority to do it now. It was going to be a God thing if it was going to happen. Now watch this. If we're going to heaven, it's going to be a God thing. It's going to be a God's way. We can't save ourselves. We had to have a Savior. And that's where the promise and the hope comes in in Jesus Christ. Because he becomes the Savior of the whole world. He came, as Matthew put it, to deliver us from our sins. And the penalty of it, which is death. A debt that you and I couldn't pay, but he paid. And so watch him. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. A virgin shall conceive. Huh. I don't know if Ahaz quite caught it at that moment in time. If he understood what was really being said. But there's a good possibility he did. He might have been like Mary. How can that be? I don't even know a man. But nevertheless, at thy words, since you're Gable, and you're the one that just come out of the presence of God, since you was the one that had visited Zechariah, that, that prophesied, amen, on the right-hand side of the altar of incense, <laughs> And spoke to him about the coming of John the Baptist. And now, you know, he hasn't been able to talk for a while though. <laughs> but he will. But he will. It's amazing how God works. It's amazing how the puzzle comes together when you really begin to look at it. And you know what? Living for God and attaining salvation is really simple. Common sense. It's all about faith 
It's all about believing. It's all about falling in love with it. That's what it's all about. Because when that happens, I'm here to tell you, who can separate you from the love of God? Or what can separate you from the love of God? It's a lot more powerful than we want to admit sometimes. Well, I'm not denying the fact that pain hurts. I'm not denying the fact that pitfalls of life can have its effect upon us. But you and I are the ones that's got to make up in our minds. It's not going to take us of our inheritance. It's not going to rob us of eternal life. It may cause some difficulties in this world and in this life. And I may have to suffer some things and experience some things. I really don't want to. But God, you said you'd never leave me. You said you'd walk with me. You said you'd be here. That was the coming of the Lord. That's the coming. That's what this is all about. That's the reason. This is the hope. This is the promise. How many of you got the Holy Ghost that you've been exempt from all pain? How many of you got the Holy Ghost that you've been exempt from all trouble? None of us. We've all, as the song says, we've probably had our fair share. Now, to talk to us individually, we'll probably say we had more than our share. <laughs> but all said and done, we've all had our fair share. Heartaches, and troubles, and disappointments in life in one form or another. But let me tell you something. That's really so important. And I know my time's running out here, but I'm, and I'm trying to watch this. That's the reason Paul wrote it to us. He said, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. When is the gospel tried? When is it really tested? When is it really going to mean something to us? When we're on top of the mountains, when all the bills are paid for, everybody's doing what we tell them to do before we even tell them. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, we got it. No pains, no heartaches, no crying babies. <laughs> huh? It's not, it's not really tested then, is it? When's relationships really tested? When that so-called hunk of a man... <laughs> Scott Lyman look like on top of the world. You come home to yours or he comes home to you. And <laughs> That's also the other way around. It's when it's one of them deals when, well, if you just move a little bit, that could be several more thousand dollars. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Tested, tried. We're not ashamed of the gospel. Confound means not ashamed. Also, it could mean I'm not confused about the gospel. I can't deny the fact that I'm in the storm of my life or I'm in the valley of my life. But I'm also going to confess and witness that he's with me. He can hold me and He can keep me when nothing else can or nobody else can. He can. That's the promise. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's the hope. I'll walk with you. I'll be closer than a friend. Because see, 
There's a place we're all going. We're all going. It's called a grave. No mama can go there with you. No daddy can go there with you. No spouse can go there with you. The president can't go there with you. Nobody else has the power or the ability to go there with you. But he does. By faith, he does. And because he can go there, we're not going to stay. And it's not the end of the journey. And that's the reason we got to do what Paul said. You can't get your eyes on this earth and the carnal things. You got to get your eyes on the spiritual, the eternal side. If you're gonna, if you're gonna win this race, if you're gonna win this battle, if you're gonna be victorious, well, we weren't expecting it quite like this, was we? But still, right, it's still in the book. That's the reason he came. Because see, this is dealing with the real world where we at. If you listen to some of them out there, man, when you, you, you know, you, you come to the good boy and this and that and the other and everything, just actually it's right the opposite. You become a soldier. You come in a warfare. You become the trophy that I was talking about Wednesday night. You become that big fish that he's pulling out all type of lures to lure you. And you're the prize. You're the one that took on his name. You're the one that was washed in his blood. You're the one that experienced the good tidings called the gospel. It wasn't just a song. It wasn't just, it wasn't just some man. No, it was real. It was powerful. It made me a new creation. It transformed me. It changed me. It changed my way of thinking. It changed my way of living. It changed my way of how I looked at others and other people. It changed me. From inside out, it changed me. It put pitch on the inside as well as pitch on the outside. Because we're in a stormy time. But you know what? This thing's built. We looked at that ark. There were some things brought out about the ark. That never, you don't really, I mean, if it's in the scriptures, I have never seen it. One of the areas I was telling some of them, the bottom of the ark most ships just have a one runner right down the center. Sticks down about so to help the waters, govern the waters. The ark was built with three. One down the center, two on each side. Question why? The Lord didn't want that ark to come down when the waters came out from under it and sit waterside. ship of Zion finally settles regardless of the storms of life the things that's went on when it's all said and done I just want to sit down level keyed with my God my Savior regardless of what everybody else think thought about it whatever thing that's going to matter is how level I'm sitting on this old book it was amazing to me there's three of those three stories Repentance, baptism, infilling, both water and spirit. I'm telling you, it's time after time. He came to save us. Because we all needed a Savior. No one's exempt. Last Sunday, we found out everybody had the blood. Sunday before that, we found out everybody had to have an eye priest. And we're finding out this morning, everybody's got to have a Savior. Got to go a step further. And that's not just a one-time experience. He's not just a shepherd, the great shepherd. He's not a highland. He's the great shepherd. Let the troubles, they're going to come. 
But he, he won't flee. He'll hold you. He'll guide you. He'll lead you. He'll, he'll just let him do it. It'll be worth it. When it's all said and done, when it's all said and done, regardless if you feel like you've lost a one, when it's all said and done, we'll, we'll be the winners. We'll be the winners. It's those that gets to hear him. Well done, thy good and faithful servants. It's going to mean something for that to happen, for that to take place. And so this is, as it goes into the lesson, it goes on, it talks about the, Angels and the good tidings of the angels, and they come on those shepherds. And, and this, this good, good tidings, notice it, it's unto the world. I like that song, Joy to the World, because He is the source of true joy, ladies and gentlemen. That's the bottom line. I know we like money, appreciate money, it takes money. We like new things and like doing things, and we get a certain amount of joy out of it, and some certain amount of peace out of it, and, but none of that's lasting. But the joy of the Lord. If you keep the joy of the Lord alive in your life, you'll have the strength to finish the journey. What do storms, what do storms take out of your life? Struggles, what does it take out of your life? It takes joy, it takes peace. Robbing the very things, as Isaiah put it, huh, a son. Born a son that was given a child. Matthew put it this way, 123. Emmanuel, God with us. That's the reason he's called the counselor, the Almighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Because he is. He is the access. He is the doorway. He is that one that's the right hand side. But you're not going to get anything. First of all, if you're double-minded about this and unstable, here we go. <laughs> Storms has tried to get you off balance. It's one of my heart's prayer in this for this local assembly. God help us to stay balanced. Word and spirit. We've got to stay balanced. Because we're living in an unbalanced world. They're going from one extreme to the other, up and down and everything. And just... God's the one that can balance us out. Watch this. I remember Brother Travis making this statement. He talked about the clock going from one extreme to the other. But he says it's here twice as often as it is to the extreme. Last part of this, and uh, he uses quite a bit about a Savior and the term. I'm going to use the last, last verse, and I'm going to let you go. Second Peter's 1 and 1. Now, there were several times uh, the word Savior that appears, and he, he writes it out. He says, 24 times in the New Testament, eight cases, God is identified as a Savior. Uh, 14 references the Savior is identified as Jesus or Christ. Uh, a couple other times it was mentioned, but in one case, 
We'll look at here at 2 Peter 1 and 1 and hear how it goes. Simon Peter, a servant apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have attained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Would you stand this morning? For God so loved the world that he gave. Why? That you and I could have eternal life. And if we believe in this one called Jesus, we shouldn't perish. But remember the first part of the lesson. You got to believe on him as the scriptures have said. It's not just a confession. I can believe that everybody in this house is a millionaire. And I can confess that. And expect tithes from that. I figured that would be a help. But that won't change the situation. Got to have something to have it based off of, you know. Like a bank account that's showing it. <laughs> CDs showing it. Without the evidence, my confession's no good. This can confess a lot. But there's, there's some witnesses that's got to show up by this. Called the Spirit, the blood, and the Word. That's where the gospel comes in. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank God for it. You and I as Gentiles, without no hope, no promises, until the one called Jesus Christ came. Hopefully something was said today to be a blessing to you, a help to you, uplifting to you. Amen. To really understand, and I'm still all far, the reason for the season is Jesus Christ. I know the world's pulled in a lot of junk. A lot of others done a lot of dumb stuff. But the bottom line, a Savior was born. And guess what? All of all of us, we got to have a Savior. Got to have a Savior in our life. Got to have a Savior. Love you. Appreciate you. God bless you.